diabetes. Can you prevent it? And can you reverse it? I'm Dr. Brian Forrest. And this week on Access Health Radio, we're going to talk about diabetes and what you need to know about it. And I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us today. Dr. Forrest is a board-certified family physician from Apex, North Carolina. And we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the companies that support Access Health Radio. We'd like to thank We Care Pharmacy and Apex. They offer great customer service, prices that are up to 90% lower than some of the corner retail chains, and even deliver for free in the local area. The folks there are friendly, professional, and family-owned. Check them out at WeCarePharmacyApex.com or call them at 919-629-6010. We'd also like to thank Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order all over the country, often at prices lower than even the big box stores. You can check them out at MarleyDrug.com. Dr. Forrest, if people want more information after the show or they'd like to find out information about your practice in Apex, where can they find that? Well, if uh, after the show they want to listen again to part of it or they miss part of the show or if they have a family member or friend they want to hear the show, they can always listen to an on-demand podcast at WPTF.com. We also upload to Apple Podcasts. That usually is a little bit after the show airs live. Um, If they would like to send us some general non-emergent questions, they can send those to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. A lot of times we'll answer those on our mailbag shows. And if they want information about our practice in Apex, North Carolina, they can go to acchealth.com. That's A-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Or give us a call at 919-363-0190. So, Dr. Forrest, I know it's a common disease, but can you tell us here at the start, what exactly is diabetes? Well, diabetes is a condition where your body either doesn't make enough insulin or it doesn't respond the way it should to insulin, what we call insulin resistance. And the type uh, of diabetes where your body doesn't make insulin is called type 1, and that's generally the type of diabetes people when they get when their kids are very, very young. Um, type 2 diabetes is what we're going to focus on today, and that's the type that most people know about, you know, that people get as adults. Um, and with this type of diabetes, your body is still making some insulin, but the body does not lower blood sugar enough in response to that insulin. Um, so that's what we're going to focus on today is type 2 diabetes, uh, which is about 90% of the diabetes out there. Uh, it is genetic. There is a genetic predisposition. Um, but even people with a strong family history, uh, a lot of times can either prevent diabetes or reverse it uh, if they change their lifestyle early enough. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Very good. I think a lot of people might be wondering, how do you actually know if you have diabetes? Well, there are several ways to check um, to see if you have diabetes uh, or if you're on your way to getting it, which is what we call prediabetes. Um, there's some very inexpensive tests that your physician can perform that sort of help you know where you stand. Um, and one of those is a fasting blood sugar. Uh, that can be obtained by drawing blood or it can be obtained just through sort of a fingerprint. And a normal value would be less than 100 Pre-diabetes, which is where you're sort of moving in the direction of diabetes, um, can go up to a fasting sugar of 125. 
but if you have a fasting blood sugar over 126, uh, you are considered to have diabetes already. Um, and the second test that, that we use uh, is called a glucose tolerance test. And that's where you drink a glucose solution and then the physician measures your sugar at set times after that. We don't really do that as much anymore for diagnosing diabetes, except in um, women who are pregnant. Uh, it's time consuming, it makes people feel bad, uh, and it's not as easy to follow over time. Um, but the best test by far, um, both to follow and monitor diabetes, and also to know if you already have it, is called a hemoglobin A1C. And this is a simple and inexpensive blood test it really gives you the best idea of where you stand relative to diabetes. And what it's actually measuring is the amount of sugar that's sort of attached to your red blood cells. And the really cool part about that is that you can tell what your blood sugar has averaged over the last three months. Um, this is really the best way to tell if you have diabetes or prediabetes or if you don't have a problem at all. So values for an A1C up to 5.6 are considered normal. Values of 5.7 to 6.4 are considered pre-diabetes, um, and that means you're either at risk for diabetes or you're on your way. And then values over 6.4 mean that you already have diabetes, and at that point, you need medical treatment. So these values that you're talking about, if people want to know their number, how do you find out your hemoglobin A1C? Well, uh, first, if you have a family physician or primary care provider, they may have already checked this um, a number of times because they're normally going to check that at things like your physical. Um, and so you can even go and look back at your old records, your old test results from previous physicals and look for that hemoglobin A1C. Um, and a lot of times people have had that test done. Their healthcare provider never really said much about it, and they may already be have prediabetes. Uh, and they just, you know, didn't get a, did a chance to talk about that. So um, make sure you check your blood work. Always keep a personal copy of your blood work uh, every time you get it from your physician. And then you can always go back and look for things like this. But this test is spelled hemoglobin A1C uh, or also glycated hemoglobin. Uh, sometimes it's abbreviated HGB A1C. Um, if you don't have any prior test results, then this is something you can get done um, at a doctor's office and results can be available in just a few minutes. Uh, most offices like ours, we can do an instant hemoglobin A1C. Uh, if you draw blood, you can also send it off and usually get that back within 24 hours. Uh, but regardless of whether or not you have insurance, um, this test is very affordable and it should be under $50 uh, at most practices. Um, at our office, we don't even charge uh, for hemoglobin A1Cs. Uh, for patients that are members of our practice. So uh, I would recommend that you get it done at least once per year. And if that hemoglobin A1C gets into the prediabetes range, which is higher than 5.6, then I would check it at least twice a year. Um, if it's in the diabetic range, which is above 6.4, then it really needs to be checked about every three months. All right, Dr. Farst, it's time now for the Access Health Tip of the Week, brought to you this week by We Care Pharmacy in Apex. You can check them out online at WeCarePharmacyApex.com. So if you have a hemoglobin A1C and you want to know your average blood sugar for 24 hours a day for the last three months, a good way to do that is just take that hemoglobin A1C number and multiply it by about 20 
and it'll give you your average blood sugar. Now, if your A1C is higher than seven, you have to multiply it by a little bit higher number, probably you know about 25 uh, to get an average blood sugar. But remember, just multiply the A1C times 20 if it's less than seven, uh, or by 25 or so if it's over seven, and that tells you what your average blood sugar has been for the last three months. Very good, thanks Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, we're going to discuss how you can use your hemoglobin A1C number to help you prevent or even reverse diabetes here on Access Health Radio. We're talking about diabetes today here on Access Health Radio. I'm Mike Davis with board-certified family physician Dr. Brian Forrest. Dr. Forrest, you were talking about the hemoglobin A1C. Once you have that number, what do you actually do with it? Well, diabetes is one of those diseases um, that you can actually do a lot to cure without a physician or medication. And, uh, you know, in this way, you can sort of be your own doctor and do as much good to improve your blood sugar as with, you know, anything else. So um, it doesn't mean that at some point you may not need medication, but many people can control or reverse diabetes through, you know, things they do themselves. So if you have diabetes, you want that hemoglobin A1C to be less than seven to be considered under control. Uh, if you are checking it and you're in the pre-diabetes range and you're trying to prevent diabetes, you, you want to get that number as close to five as you can. So, you know, a good way my patients sort of monitor how they're doing with their diet is if three months ago their A1C was 5.7, they come in for a follow-up visit and it's down to 5.4 then I know they've done a lot better with their diet. Their average blood sugar is down significantly. So um, you can use this number as a way to see how your diet interventions are actually affecting your blood sugar and your insulin resistance. And, you know, you really need to have sort of a carbohydrate budget. So think about the insulin your body produces as sort of the money that you have to pay to keep your blood sugar down. The more carbohydrates and sugar you eat, the more insulin your body has to spend. And if you spend all your insulin, then you won't have enough to keep your blood sugar down anymore. What I recommend is that in general for healthy adults, that they eat no more than 150 grams of carbohydrates per day. And for those with prediabetes, I normally tell my patients to try to keep their carbohydrate budget at 100 grams per day maximum. And it is easy to find carbohydrates for foods now. I mean, you can you know, Google on your phone the carbohydrate uh, amount for any food and find it within just a few seconds. So let's talk about that for a second. How do people know how many carbs are in what they eat? And what is the difference, if you could explain it, between sugar and carbs? Well, again, finding the information is easier than it's ever been with the Internet. I mean, it's just uh, 20 seconds. You can ask uh, Siri or somebody else, you know, or you can look it up on Google. Uh, but it's easy to find those results. But the carbs and sugar that's contained in food um, is available also in apps. It's on food labels. And many restaurants now also will provide that information. Some of them even put it right on the menu. So a couple of things to consider. First of all, not all carbohydrates are bad. Uh, carbohydrates that take a long time for your body to turn into sugar don't create as much of a bur burden on your pancreas and your insulin budget. And they allow time for you to burn off the carbs through activity and exercise. Uh, sometimes people call those complex carbohydrates. Uh, if we take broccoli as an example, you know, it doesn't have any protein or fat. It's essentially made up of fiber, carbs, and water. 
but your body breaks those carbs down into sugar over a matter of hours rather than minutes. And that gives your body plenty of time to lower your blood sugar without having to have a huge insulin surge. Um, we call this glycemic index. So some foods uh, will raise your blood sugar much faster than others. And it kind of makes sense. You know, if you eat cotton candy, uh, your blood blood's going to uh, turn to sugar almost instantly from that. But if you eat an apple, uh, it may have the same amount of carbs as a bag of cotton candy, but your body's going to absorb it more slowly. So just be careful about thinking that fruits and vegetables are all okay. Uh, you know, sweet fruits, watermelon, grapes, oranges, plums, and other really sweet fruits or vegetables like carrots can raise your blood sugar rather quickly. So let's talk about, uh, we, we hear about this a lot, high fructose corn syrup. What's the difference between that and sugar and carbohydrates? Well, in general, foods that are processed and include sugar often incorporate high fructose corn syrup or pure refined sugar. And both of these cause you to expend your insulin budget really quickly, and you want to avoid those as much as possible. Um, labels will usually list total carbs, fiber, and sugars, and the sugars are included in those total carbs. So easy formula to remember is when you're calculating net carbs, which is really what matters, um, you can subtract the fiber number from the total carbs, and that'll give you sort of the net carb. So if you were trying to keep your total carbs and sugar generally under 20 grams per meal, uh, then that's the number you're going to go by is net carbs. All right. So let's shift gears now and let's uh, talk about medications for diabetes. What are some of the common medications that are prescribed for diabetes, Dr. Forrest? Well, for type 2 diabetes, uh, almost all patients are going to take a medication called metformin. Uh, it's very inexpensive. It works really well. It's been proven to decrease your hemoglobin A1C by two points. Uh, mainly, though, the side effects can be some stomach upset uh, and diarrhea. Most people can tolerate that, and if they stay on it consistently, that usually goes away pretty quickly. Um, and metformin also does help a little bit with weight loss. Um, there's other medications now, the DPP-4s uh, and also SGLT-2s. And sorry about all the alphabet soup, but that's just how we abbreviate these meds. <laughs> right. Uh, we, we, we don't use the sulfonylurea as much anymore, like glimepiride or glipizide, due to a uh, dangerous side effect called hypoglycemia, um, which is low blood sugar. Uh, but the rest of the medications, because they're not generic, are more expensive than metformin uh, and usually also not quite as effective. A lot of those only lower A1C by one point. Um, the DP4s are the best tolerated. That's things like Genuvia. Uh, don't have a lot of side effects at all, but they only lower A1C up to about a point. The SGLT2 inhibitors promote some weight loss as well. They take out about 300 calories a day by causing you to urinate out your sugar. Uh, but people with the, taking those are slightly more prone to yeast infections. Uh, the, the new exciting class are the GLP-1s, and, and these have really changed things because uh, most of these are, there is one oral version, but most of these are injected once a week, and they really promote weight loss effectively. In fact, uh, ZepBound, which is a form of Manjaro, uh, has just been approved for weight loss, and, and these medicines can make people lose 20% of their body weight and often almost reverse the diabetes completely. Wow. Uh, lots of people get off their other medications like blood pressure meds and stuff like that. So uh, for type two diabetes, we very rarely use insulin, uh, especially now that we have the GLPs, um, but sometimes we do that. 
but the goal for all patients with diabetes or prediabetes should be to, to stay off medication or get off as much medication as they can by doing those other things we've talked about on the show. You know, exercise and, and cutting those carbs uh, is safe and it's also a whole lot less expensive. That is good news. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. We're going to go over some other things you can do to help prevent or even reverse diabetes straight ahead and our Access Health Radio's trivia of the week. We're talking diabetes today on Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest, and I'm Mike Davis. Dr. Forrest, here's the big question. Uh, What else can we do to help prevent or even reverse diabetes? Well, first of all, you need to move. Uh, You know, when you exercise, you burn carbs and sugar uh, off without having to use as much insulin. Um, Sometimes I will encourage patients that if they do eat a high carb meal, they should try to exercise within an hour or so uh, after doing that to help minimize the amount um, the meal will raise their blood sugar. Also, building muscle helps increase the amount of sugar and carbohydrates that your body can burn and raises your metabolism for hours after you exercise. Typically, I recommend at least 150 minutes of aerobic exercise per week divided into at least two or more days. Um, And by aerobic, I just mean something that's intense enough to make you get slightly out of breath. Uh, Besides exercise, the best thing you can do uh, to help reverse or prevent diabetes is to lose weight. Even small changes like one pound of weight per month has been shown to prevent diabetes. Uh, So there's lots of other benefits, obviously, to weight loss. Uh, but that's been really significant, just one pound per month. Um, in some studies, patients uh, were taking lots of medications. Uh, they'd had weight loss surgery, and they were able to completely get off the medications and essentially cure their diabetes. Well, weight loss surgery, you know, it has some risk to it. But again, now with these newer medications, uh, the GLPs, we're getting sort of the effects of reversing diabetes and losing a lot of weight without surgery. That's exciting news, Dr. Forrest. Time now for the Access Health Trivia of the Week. Well, the trivia this week is no surprise. It's that 37 million people in the United States have diabetes. Uh, That's 96 million U.S. adults. Wow. What are some key takeaways you'd like folks to remember this week, Dr. Forrest? Well, first, make sure that you know what your hemoglobin A1C is. Uh, If it's over 5.6, then you're at high risk of developing diabetes. Second, keep your carbs and sugar intake restricted to a carb budget uh, under 150 grams for almost everybody and under 100 grams per day if you're pre-diabetic. Third, make sure you move, park farther from the store, schedule at least 150 minutes per week of activity, and include some resistance training in that as well. And lastly, weight loss to the point where your waist size is less than half your height in inches at a rate of about one to two pounds per month can actually help prevent diabetes or resolve it. Thanks. Great information today, Dr. Forrest. That's all the time we have. Our bodies have a great capacity to heal themselves, and they're created that way. As the Bible says in Proverbs 139, 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.